Hey everyone, welcome back to The Pursuit with James Griffin. Today we're talking about what it means to gather and why that's important. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Pursuit with James Griffin. My name is Mike Anthony and I'm the discipleship pastor here at Cross Point City. And I'm here with our senior pastor, James Griffin. Now we're continuing on in our series where we're unpacking um, the the mission statement and the strategy and the core convictions that we have as a church body. So last week we talked about, James, our, our mission statement, right. which yep. is? To relentlessly pursue those far from God to help them know and follow Jesus. Put me on the spot. All right. So he Come still on. remembers it. That's a positive, <laughs> right? Still remembers it. So we unpacked that. So if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that, I'd encourage you to jump over there and listen to a lot of good information in that episode. But this week, we're going to start jumping into our strategy. So um, whether you're part of Crosspoint City or not, like our strategy for how we're going to accomplish that mission is to gather, connect, engage, and multiply. So over the next few episodes, we're going to tackle each one of those to really kind of unpack what that means. So this week, we are on the first one, gather. So James, what do we mean when we say gather? Yeah. So, well, I mean, by definition, that is what the church is. It is the gathering of God's people. You know, when you look at the gospels, you find the first mention of the church in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus is talking there to Peter and and he says to him upon this rock, talking about himself upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then that word appears a total of 108 times across 16 books in the New Testament. And every time it appears, it's the same Greek word, ekklesia. It was a cultural word that described an assembly or a gathering of people. And so, again, the big idea is that the church becomes the church when we gather. Yeah. Now, obviously, we're still the church when we scatter. It's not like the church <laughs> dissipates and, and goes away. Uh, but the simple point is this. If you really are going to be a member of the church, a local church, you, you have to show up to the gatherings. Yeah. If you don't show up to the gatherings, you know, you're, you're kind of like the athlete who says that you're part of the team, but you never show up to the games, which is a problem. <laughs> and so yeah. the, the church is the gathering of God's people. Well, last year you preached a sermon uh, and you pointed out these five misconceptions we have of the church, right? Because, you know, I think to us, it seems kind of obvious what the church is, but, you know, we live, eat, breathe in this world. Right. Um, But there are just culturally or, you know, however you were, like whatever type of church environment you were raised in, you know, whatever those kind of uh, preconceived ideas are, there are some misconceptions that we have about the church and you came up with five of them. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to lob some of these at you and then I want you to help us understand what you meant. So the first misconception, you said the church is a building, right? Yeah. If you listen to how a lot of people talk in, in our context today, you know, you hear a lot of language like, uh, Hey, let's meet at the church. Yeah. Or, hey, let's let's go over to the church, which implies that the church is the structure. Right. It's the brick. It's the mortar. It's the stone. Um, but that's simply not true. I've made the statement in the past that we don't go to church, but instead we gather as a church. Right. The church is a people. It's not a place. And so it's it's not a building, right? Yeah. Um, we, we are the church. That's good. All right. So next one. The church. So again, we're talking about misconceptions. The church is a human organization. What did you mean when you said that? Yeah, basically the idea was that this is not a man-made institution, right? We didn't think this up. Uh, we didn't think this up. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't our idea. 
Um, you know, I, I hear people at times talk about, well, I just, you know, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church because I'm not a big fan of man-made religion. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. This has nothing to do with man-made religion. Uh, the church was God's idea. He instituted the church for his glory and the good of his world. And so the church is very different than a political party, a social club. Yeah. Um, it's very different than a business. And so, yeah, it's not a human organization. It, it is a God-ordained, God-instituted organization. Yeah. All right, the third one. This one's probably my favorite. All right, so I'm excited to hear about <laughs> yeah. this one. All right, the third misconception about the church is that the church is a spiritual supermarket. Yeah, big one, big <laughs> one in our culture today. And so the idea here is that there are many people who really see the church as nothing more than a provider of religious goods and services. Right. And they see themselves as spiritual customers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I can come in and pay my tithes and I can have all the people that work in the church meet my needs. And so, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of people that just treat the church like they would treat their favorite store or restaurant. The mindset is, well, that exists to serve me. Right. And, you know, I think in many ways, culture has contributed to this. We live in such a consumeristic society that oftentimes we project that onto the church. But I also think that churches contribute to this as well mm-hmm. um, yeah. by by pitching the idea, maybe even unknowingly to the congregation, man, that we do it best. Yeah. We, we do it best. We, we do the music best and kids ministry best and the preaching best. So if you come here, you're, you're going to get the best product, if you will. And so people show up believing that it's all about them. And a lot of times they'll stay until they are offended or inconvenienced and then off they go to find the yeah. next best thing. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of, um, you know, the church that says, you know, don't worry about sharing the gospel. Get them here. I'll share it for you. Oh, right? yeah. Um, yeah. I hate that. We'll leave that one right there. Yeah, that's probably a good <laughs> idea. Uh, all right. Fourth misconception. Uh, the church is any gathering of believers. Yeah. So the six people in your living room with a guitar <laughs> and a Bible open, not a church. Um, it's not. It's it's an important gathering, but it's it's not the church. You know, if you look at the Bible and back at church history, there are certain marks and works that have to exist for a church to be a church. Um, the marks orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. So this is historic Christian teaching that has been held by all believers everywhere for all time. Order. Yeah, And so we're talking here about church leadership, church governance, and then ordinances, things like baptism and the Lord's Supper. And then the works of the church that must be present, evangelism, getting the gospel to folks who need it, edification, this is discipleship, spiritual yeah. growth, and exaltation, worship, um, giving God the glory he rightfully deserves. And so, again, while while the gathering that I just described is important, the six people in the living room, it's not a church because it doesn't possess all of those marks and works. And so the the church is something very specific. Yeah, that's good. All right. Fifth and final misconception. Uh, The church is optional. Yeah. I don't have to go to be a part of the church. Oh man. I feel like we've heard more of this talk in the last two years than we have in in many years before it. Um, Man, do I really need the church? The answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, There are those people who claim to know Christ. And, and I hear people say at times, like, I don't need it. I can, I can have church at the ball field or I can have church in the deer stand. And, you know, I've often joked and say, well, man, if you're really reading your Bible in the deer stand, you'd know that's not true because yeah. we all need the church. It is not optional. It is essential. And it is essential for many, many, many things. 
um, some of those things I just mentioned a moment ago, evangelism, worship, spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, We cannot do what God has called us to do, and we cannot become who God has called us to become unless we gather with the church. Yeah, that's good. All right, so... That's all the misconceptions. Yeah. So let's let's get into um, you know we say the gathering is so important, and we've talked about how you know like you know the church is the church when we gather. But yeah. what's the purpose of that gathering? Yeah. So I, I've talked about four purposes in the past. Uh, the first being exaltation. You know, I remember last year we we went to a Braves game with our elders. And it was awesome. We had incredible seats and, and you know, right behind home plate. And yeah. Like all you can eat seats, man, throwing hot dogs, you know, watch out because <laughs> you'll get hit in the face if you're not careful. But but we went to exalt our Atlanta Braves. Yeah. To celebrate them, to cheer them on. And, and in many ways, when we gather as a church, we're here for a similar purpose, to exalt Christ, to celebrate Christ, to honor Christ for who he is, for what he's done, um, for who we are because of him. And so when we gather, we place him at the center of all that we do. And we want him to be present in every element of the gathering, in our prayer, in our fellowship, um, in our singing, in our preaching, in our taking of the sacraments. You know, I've, I've said it in the past, when we gather, we're, we're together for an audience of one and the audience ain't you, right? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it is him. Yeah. And so we're, we come to exalt Christ. This is why I've tried to tell our church too, when you come in on the weekends, Thursday or Sunday, don't come like you're coming to a funeral. Yeah. Come like you're coming to a party. I, I don't know if you've ever been to a church, Mike, where you walk in, it's like, who died? <laughs> it's just so somber and so serious. Yeah. And, no, he, he's alive. He's on his throne, ruling and reigning. Yeah. And and he is at work in his world. And uh, so we have things to celebrate. And, and that's what we do when we gather. We exalt him. Yeah. Number two is identification. And part of the way that we identify ourselves when we gather is through the taking of the sacraments. And so if you think about the purpose of, of baptism, for example, why do we do that? Well, it's the first step of obedience for a new believer. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone decides to follow Jesus Christ as King, Savior, and Lord, the way that they publicly profess that decision is through baptism. Yeah. You know, they climb in a tub and, and we dunk them, which I know might seem really weird, <laughs> uh, but the imagery is super important, right? When we go under the water, we are declaring that the old us has died with Christ. Mm-hmm. When we come out of the water, we are declaring that the new us is alive in Christ, that we are abandoning a lifestyle of sin, yeah. and that we are now following Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that takes place within the gathered church, that type of declaration. And so, again, we, we gather to identify ourselves with him in that way and to see other people do the same. Um, the same is true of communion. Uh, this was a family meal that was instituted by Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. And when we take the meal, the, the bread and the drink, we are remembering the sacrificial death of Christ for our sins. And in doing so, we're not only identifying ourselves with Christ, but with each other, right? Yeah. Uh, this is why we always tell non-Christians who come to the gatherings, hey, we don't want to leave you out of much, um, hardly anything even, but we have to leave you out of this. Right. Because you can't really identify yourself with someone you've never met. Mm -hmm. You can't remember someone that you don't belong to. It defeats the very purpose of the practice. But it's also why Christians are called to eat in in a worthy manner. You know, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and there were people who were sick and weak and dying 
all because they were taking the Lord's Supper in a manner that was unworthy, a lot of sin, a lot of division in the church. And so when we come to the table, we have to deal with sin. We confess it. We repent of it. But we also reconcile with brothers and sisters in Christ if, in fact, there's conflict there so that when we come to the table, that that identification, that that unity factor is present, if Mm -hmm. you will. And so identification will be purpose number two. Um, Number three is transformation. Yeah. Transformation. And I feel like this is really practical. You know, when we come into a room and we sing songs, for example. Right. Like when those lyrics are coming out of your mouth, you really have to wrestle with whether or not, okay, do I believe that? Is that true of me? Yeah. When you sit under the preaching of God's word, the Holy Spirit's going to use that to confront you with, with those broken areas of your life that he still needs to repair or restore in certain ways. Um, when we pray, we really have to, to come to grips with whether or not we're dependent on the Lord for the very things that we're asking for. Yeah. When we give, do I really trust God as my provider? Or is money an idol in my life? You know, am yeah. I trying to That's a big on? one. It is huge, right? <laughs> am I trying to hang on to this and, and hoard it? Or am I willing to use what God has given me to invest in his kingdom? And then again, as I said a moment ago, when we take the sacraments, we, we have to confront sin in our lives. Yeah. And we have to to address conflict that might exist between us and, and other members of God's family. And so when we come together, we are truly opening our lives up to the work of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is the power of the gathering. We are inviting him in to transform us, to conform us more into the image of Christ, which is what the Bible calls sanctification. And so again, we cannot do that without the gathering. And then I'll just say quickly as well, when unbelievers enter the gathering, there's an opportunity for transformation as well. Uh, yeah. Because as the gospel is preached, mm-hmm. those people are confronted with the truth and the reality of who Christ is. And the Holy Spirit always uses the preaching of the gospel to uh, arrest dead hearts, to awaken faith in dead people, yeah. and to bring them back to life. And we see that happening here at Cross Point all the time. So transformation. And then finally is mobilization. And when I say mobilization, I'm really talking here about mission. Um, in Matthew 28, we talked about this last time, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus gives the Great Commission, mm-hmm. um, which... The way we talk about that, we relentlessly pursue those far from God to help them know and follow Jesus. When we come together, we're we're really in many ways mobilizing and training our people to accomplish that. Yeah. Uh, the gathering, I've equated it to practice for a sports team. Mm-hmm. You know, the team's not going to go and just play the games <laughs> if they haven't spent time practicing, or at least they shouldn't, because it's going to go really bad. Um, same is true for the church. If we want to get out into the world and and accomplish the mission that Christ has given us, we have to come together and we have to gather regularly, yeah. so that we can be better prepared to do that work. Man, that's really good. So just to recap real quick. So the purpose of the gathering we're saying is exaltation, identification, transformation, and mobilization. So as the church, this is how part of how we're going to accomplish the mission. So I'm, I'm right. listening to this. Uh, in light of everything that you've just said, um, I can't help but you know think that people listening to this right now are probably like, okay, that that's cool. Yeah. You know, but what do I do with that? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, beside the, you know, obviously it's like, you know, Go to church, yeah. right? But like, so like, what do, what do we do with that? Yeah. Yeah. A few practical things. Um, number one, I would say make the family gathering a priority. Yeah. The, the church is constantly talked about in the scriptures as a family or a household of faith. And so we gather together. We're gathering with brothers and sisters in Christ, right? To celebrate our father, our savior, to open our lives to the spirit of God. 
And so I would say make the family gathering a priority. Say no to lesser things yeah. so that you can say yes to that very, very important thing. And, uh, you know, I, I remember I grew up in a family where my, my parents, they made it a point to, to do this very thing. Yeah. Like if, if other stuff was coming up on Sundays, we said no. Yeah. I, I remember my dad wouldn't let me play on a baseball team at one point that had practice on Sundays because it was going to. It was going to get in the way of church. And so I would say, make it a priority. It is that important. That's a pretty radical idea. Very (laughs) radical, isn't it? Wow, that the church matters more than all those other things. It's crazy. What else? Yeah. Secondly, and, and this is really for the men, I would say men, prioritize the gathering for your family. That's good. Right? And, uh, and if you're a single man, prioritize it for yourself, right? Uh, worry about becoming the man that God wants you to be. And, and part of that is you showing up, but men, especially men who are married, who have families, I would say, be a leader, take initiative, get your family here. Because if you take the initiative, chances are like everybody else is coming with you. You know, statistics show that wives and kids are more likely to come to faith and follow Jesus when the man and the husband does it first. And so men prioritize the gathering for your family. That's good. One of the things I think about, like, is, you know, we're talking about like men prioritizing uh, the gathering for their family, you know, you know, when it's Mother's Day, you know, that you better believe that whole family's there in their Sunday best. (laughs) They're getting their butts to church because mama wants to go to church. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, unfortunately, the reality is, you know, it's Father's Day. Yeah. You yeah, know, where those dudes at? It, it's, yeah, it's like they're on the golf course yeah, is where they're at yeah. or on the ball field or, you know, <laughs> on the couch, you know, right. wherever that is. Right. Because, you know, it, I mean, it, it's an unfortunate truth, but the reality is, is, you know, attendance in the gathering on yeah. Father's Day is typically lower right, than right. when it is on Mother's Day. That's right. I would say quickly too, men, again, and I, and I know all of us struggle with this. How do I serve as the spiritual leader in my family? This is low hanging fruit, okay? Like (laughs) just get everybody to church. Like that's where you, if you want a place to start, that's where you start. Take initiative and prioritize it. That's good. All right, any final thoughts? Yeah, I I mean, the only other thing that I would say is when you're here in the gathering, participate. Yeah. Uh, Don't be the spectator watching everybody else do it. Oh, it's great everybody's singing and it's great that everybody's praying and giving and partaking of the sacraments and, you know, what taking notes when... When whoever's up there preaching, like yeah. show up and participate, um, come ready to receive and respond. Yeah, and I think if you'll do that, God will use the gathering in significant ways in your life. Yeah, I think that that's that's such a key part of it because you know when we think about you know the stereotypical church experiences, like well, church is boring, right, right. But you know this is another this is an environment where we're going to get as much out of it as we put into it. Great so word. if you're going to show up and be a bump on the log, yeah. then yeah, it's probably going to be pretty boring for you. That's but, great. You know, if you're going to, you know, stand in the front and you won't see what's happening behind you, you do whatever <laughs> you want. You won't know if anybody's mocking you or not. That's right. right. That's right. Uh, like get into it, like enjoy it, yeah. um, you know, because it, it's meant to be, it's not a funeral. That's right. Right. We're celebrating Jesus. That's right. So, all right. That's, that is great, James. I, I love this part of uh, our strategy and I'm, I'm excited to unpack, um, the rest of this strategy in the next few episodes. But for this week, yeah, that's all we've got for you. Um, tune in next week. We're going to start unpacking Connect, which is the next kind of component of our strategy in accomplishing our mission. Uh, but until then, know that we're here for you and we love you.